hub, and spoke. Audio Collective. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Okay, so where are we? So we're in St. Johnsbury. Um, we're in St. Johnsbury in a parking lot um, in the shade, sitting in my convertible. And we are just about to go deliver the little fallen angel owl that hit. No, just lay it on me that I, I don't want any fallen angel. I want just like, okay, there's a, so I have, I have gonna, a frozen okay, owl I'm, I'm in, just in my gonna... trunk. I mean, let's just be real, okay? Okay, wait, let me start over. <laughs> okay, ready? Here's your little. It's my friend Susan. She's a private investigator, and I interview her a lot for my show. Last week, she hit an owl with her car, and it died. She didn't want to leave it on the side of East Warren Road, so she took it home and put it in the freezer. And she started calling around the state to see who could use a dead owl. And it turned out that the Fairbanks Museum in St. Johnsbury could. They said they'd stuff it for their exhibit or maybe use parts of it for their science programs. So Susan drove up to St. Johnsbury with the owl in a cooler in her trunk, and I met her in a parking lot near the Fairbanks Museum. It's a big, um, it's yeah. a big freezer. I have a big, well, it's a big blue Coleman cooler here. Oh my! That and <gasps> I have um, a couple bags of ice, some San Pellegrino, <laughs> and I do have a drink that's cooling. I figure that's somewhat sanitary because it's not open yet. But this is the owl. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Before I bring it in there. Yeah. I mean, it does feel really morbid to like have it in. It's in a white plastic bag that I. Tied up, but I'm hoping that nothing. I'm hoping it didn't freeze in the wrong, with the, like a bad expression on its face, or like with its neck all in the wrong direction. But I think it's it's really it's really like look at these feet. Wow. I mean seriously, it's so beautiful. Look at these feathers. Oh hello. Yes. Okay. okay Let's take this- him in now. His I think eyes, like, his eyes, yeah, I think it's time to, to uh, taxidermy him. That's really scary looking, actually. Why is that? I don't know. His has so, one eye open. Yeah, but one eye open that is very... Um, like a weird like color. Like a flat, strange... Wow, one like, eye's closed. One eye's well, closed, and the on. other eye looks like a, like a zombie. Yeah, that's really wild. It's probably just gelled up. I hope I didn't freeze him the wrong way, but hopefully they can unfreeze him and then. We took the dead barred owl into the Fairbanks Museum and it joined its raptor brethren in the museum cooler in the basement and then we left. Susan came over to my house to eat sandwiches and talk, mostly about COVID, until it was twilight and then the late part of twilight, which is dusk. We sat on my porch. Okay. Okay, so. The thing that I, it's, I think is, and this may just be wildly offensive and unpopular, but I think a lot of people are just using COVID as an excuse. I really do. From all the people that actually hated their lives and hated their jobs and hated their families. I mean, I think like a lot of people were just like, oh my God, I have the best excuse that I actually don't have to visit anybody. I don't even have to show up and do a job. It's like everyone's like permanently on a freaking golf game and it's called COVID. Nobody wants to deal with the BS anymore. Like minimum wage workers don't want to work anymore. Like CEOs don't want to show up 
prosecutors don't want to prosecute. Judges don't really even feel like doing their jobs anymore. Like, a lot of people are just like, this is bullshit. Are you articulating feelings that you share or, or, or that you feel, or are you describing other people? I guess a little bit of both. I guess, you know, I'm just watching a lot of friends of mine have major career changes or just bailing or people that they're just never ever going to go back to the office they're never ever going to like drive to a doctor appointment again they're never going to sit in the same room with their therapist there's just a lot of yeah I'm I'm not signing back up it's almost like when your gym shuts down for a year and then you're like I just don't go to the gym anymore I don't know I had this interesting trip to Maine where you know, these busy streets and like a bustling town, like on the coast of Maine in August. And every single restaurant was closed. It was a Saturday night, seven o'clock, and they didn't have anyone to work in the restaurants. And it turns out like none of those waitresses really wanted to come back to work. Like it turns out like, you know, you go to like the local country store and there's like one kid making sandwiches and you ask, like, why isn't anybody here? Like, why don't you guys, why aren't you guys open? Like, why can I only get things out of the cooler? And the kid, like, looks at you and says, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. And I kind of don't blame them because they're all collecting unemployment. But I also kind of blame them. Like, I'm the only one here working. <sighs> well, it's kind they, they, of like the bullshit of it all. I mean, I guess the bullshit of it all is kind of, it's sort of what we talked about on the brown couch. It's like, if tomorrow was your last day, would you do your taxes? Like, suddenly, fires burning, pandemics raging, airports being shut, borders being closed. It just brings into focus, like, what really matters? Like, how would I live my life if I didn't actually tell anybody about it and I never had to, like, log back onto my email? If I never had to, like, fill out a timesheet about, like, how I spent the day? Yeah, but that implies that people are doing really inspired, um, brave things, and I, I certainly don't see that. I think people are just. I think people, there's people a tor- more- I think there's a torpor that is pervasive. There is a sort of a collective languishing. It seems the, quite the opposite of, a, you know, a grabbing of a brass ring. Like there, people are not. It does not seem to me that people are being their best selves right now. I think everyone's just kind of going underground. I think everybody, there's this sort of sense of like, wow, we're under siege. You kind of circle the wagons. Like people are working on their houses. People are like mowing their lawns. They're like organizing their sock drawers. They're like going through their old files and shredding things. It's like there's this weird kind of like, you know, in the cycle of like the year, how there's like, there's times where you're like, extrovert and in the world and like traveling and riding your bike and like jumping off the bridge and like blah 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 and then there's like those times where you're like making soup and you're at home and you're chopping potatoes and everything's kind of like it's very homey and it's like I feel like we're trapped in a potato soup we're trapped in a potato soup chapter where everybody's just like quietly doing their thing where it's like yeah what'd you do on Saturday like I don't really know are we going to have, like, a decade of, like, I don't really know, Saturday, you know? Like, what did I do? Like, what did we actually do? Well, you, but when we talk about the kid at the store, right, and we talk about all the restaurants closed, 
what is your what is the charge or on that for you to to work full time for a wage where you can't feed your family doesn't make sense now any more than it did 20 years ago but this idea of just not going back to work at all what is the charge on the kid who's who's working alone at the store what is your feeling about it well for starters i mean you know all the help wanted help wanted help wanted signs and then there's like a little guy at a window he looks like the guy sticking his head out of the booth on the wizard of oz like hello like who is it you know it's like every time you pull up to get like thai food it's like help wanted help wanted help wanted and there's one sweaty dude back there with like 15 plastic bags stapled at the top like you know with a bunch of people that don't feel like cooking for themselves like really like this is what we're all doing like and everything else is closed and there's one place open with one kid back there and I'm like okay this is actually what it's come to it's almost like nobody's talking about the big elephant in the living room which is that our whole society is like who gives a shit my daughter had this sticker on her phone. It was this picture of these two kind of cartoon characters that looked like Nancy Drew. And the, the little caption said, the mystery of who gives a shit. And it kind of, I don't know why, it just sort of like nailed, it like pinned it to the wall with a phrase. It was like, this is just this big, big mystery of who gives a shit. <laughs> like, and... And what do we actually give a shit about? Like, when that kid looked at me and he was like, I can't really blame them for not wanting to come and make the pesto and provolone sandwiches every day. Like, yeah, like, I don't really want to either. Like, who gives a shit about actually going back to work? Who gives a shit about, like, paying their rent in their overpriced apartment building in New York City? The magnitude of the colossal debacle is a little bit like everyone's sort of frozen deer in the headlights and they're like, okay, let's just go rearrange our sock drawer because nobody actually really knows what's worth doing. You know, my uncle called my son right before he died and he said, I wish I'd had a really deep relationship with a horse. I feel that more about a dog now than I do about a man. Or a horse or a donkey. I want to experience that kind of love with something that doesn't speak but that is sentient. I want to have a mammal in my life that that is not a human. I love to look at pictures of dogs on the Internet. I could do it for hours. The fact that you're even considering having a dog. <laughs> Erica, that's huge progress. That's huge. The fact that you're you're not looking at porn, you're looking at like like paws for paws for friends or whatever the paws for pets or pets for paws. <laughs> I I just I just think that's huge progress. What the hell was that? Was that a bat? <laughs> wow, that's promising. Things are looking up for the yeah, planet. That's right. The vines look good. The bats are darting around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm curious to know how your caseload has cha- changed during COVID. What are you? What are the? What kind of cases are you working on? And 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 do you have a theory about why? Well, I'll, I mean, a big portion of my clients are indigent people who are living in overcrowded places and didn't have an option to spread out, and they didn't have real estate to like go camp out in. So a lot of what I've seen is people really packed in to really challenging living situations where they're right on top of each other and end any like underlying tensions that were there are really exacerbated. So the domestic violence has gone way up. Um, relapses with substances with a lack of 12-step meetings for people to physically go to. Everything went virtual. So people, like, I mean, when people are in recovery, they really need to stay connected to a group, a community. You know, I mean, I think um, the isolation of COVID really had a detrimental effect on diseases of isolation, one of which is addiction. Mental illness with isolation is really problematic because people become fully untethered and they start believing their delusions, their paranoia, their psychosis takes on a whole new power. I believe that's happening with QAnon. I think that um, usually there'd be sort of a tempering that would happen, like people would not become so untethered and so rudderless. And I think what's happened is at any level of mental illness or isolation, it's almost like somebody got on the crazy horse and just like rode it into the sunset. And that's happened with a lot of my clients. And it's really sad. I mean, I have more than one instance of... Are you talking about QAnon right now? I'm not necessarily QAnon as such, but, but pieces of QAnon. And so I have cases where people during the time of Trump absolutely stop talking to their family members because of Trump. People would just cut them off and not answer their phone. I mean, more than once I've heard he just stopped answering his phone. Nobody could get through. Um, he became completely convinced there was a civil war happening in this country. And then you couple that with people who've had post-traumatic stress, who live alone, who are super isolated. And then on top of that, you have a pandemic where everybody's masked and nobody can touch and there's no sense of community and nobody's allowed to get together or have a potluck or see each other. So mental illness increased exponentially and with that, so did crime, certain crimes. Um, and can over- you describe, describe the, the nature of, I mean, what has surprised you about the, the nature of crime that you've been hearing about or working, cases you've been working on? Gruesome violence. People stabbing each other with very dull knives is an example. Um, an exorbitant number of sexual assaults. Um, domestic violence right through the roof. Uh, a lot of very, very mentally ill people doing things that they have absolutely no idea why they did them. And, you know, not only that, but an absolute wasteland of people who are incarcerated who haven't seen anyone from their defense team in months. And that's so upsetting. I mean, they feel like they've just been thrown away all in the name of, like, COVID. COVID. I'm like, and... 
they're still sitting there and they haven't gone to trial. Like, what are we doing? I mean, imagine being accused of a crime. You haven't been convicted. You've been accused of a crime. You aren't given bail. You aren't even having, given the option to be out. And you're languishing in prison and everything closes down because of COVID. And you're just sitting there. Can't see your lawyer. The whole facility is on lockdown. I mean, it's really, really weird. I mean, it's sort of like post-Katrina. Like, after Katrina, you know, there were all kinds of defendants that nobody had any idea where they were. There were families that just, you know, prisons were flooded and people just went somewhere and nobody had any idea where they went and there's this weird feeling I mean I get collect calls I get four or five collect calls from jails every single day and the person's paying to call me collect with their tiny little commissary from their mom that's a cleaning lady because they need to to find out like what's happening is anyone filing a motion like what are the motions do we have a defense theory here like what's happening with my case and i reach out to the attorney. Are we going to go visit? Well, no, I'm on vacation. I'm sending memos into a big black hole. I don't even know if anyone's reading them. I'm out interviewing people. I've been interviewing people the whole time. I've had a mask on. I've been standing in their yard. When I have to do interviews, I've been in a car pulled up next to their car with a mask on. I mean, I don't really understand why everybody's just completely checked out. They're totally checked out in a big way. I mean, that's one thing if you're like working at the Gap and you're like refolding t-shirts, but these are people's lives. I mean, these are a lot of people's lives that are just sitting there languishing. Like people are now allowed to not show up. Everyone's been given permission to not show up, to not call back, to not respond to the email to not visit the client in jail. It's like, really? I understand that we have a pandemic going on, but like, when did we get, I missed the memo that we were allowed to just stop trying. think is going on I think we've screwed up so badly that we're in a final chapter as humans on the planet I think we've damaged Mother Earth to such an extent that we're heading into what Al Gore's foreboding inconvenient truth was about hurricanes are hitting infrastructure in New Jersey is pumping sewage out so people are smelling smells and watching like the decay of our infrastructure and that's everywhere from nobody wants to make a sandwich to nobody really wants to go to their job and we're trying to make meaning on a summer afternoon none of it's making any sense all of these emails and the money in the bank and Bitcoin, and people dying, and QAnon, and vaccinations, and real estate, and none of it makes any sense. And yet we're all still supposed to like get up every day 
and make our kid breakfast and keep your marriage intact. My dad always has this thing where he'll, he'll say it's the Ricky Waters question. Ricky Waters was this, you know, he was this football player with the Philadelphia Eagles and somebody threw this long pass and for him to catch it, he would have had to like basically face plant, you know? And he decided not to do it. And he got unbelievable grief. Like after the game, they all had these microphones in his face and he just looked at the camera and he was like, sometimes you just have to ask yourself, for who, for what? <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's where we are. Like for who, for what? I mean, I don't think anybody really knows anymore. That was Susan Randall. Well, hopefully things are going to turn around. Maybe... To hear the other shows with Susan, just go to my website, which is rumblestripvermont, spelled out, dot com, and search for Susan. And if you want to leave a comment, that would be great. You can find a comment box at the bottom of the show page. If you want to make a donation, that would also be great. Your donations pretty much pay for this whole operation. The music for this show is by my friends Brian Clark and Mike D'Onofrio. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a nonprofit collective of independent podcasters. In other words, people who make podcasts in their closets like me. One of the Hub and Spoke shows is called Open Source. It's a show about arts and ideas and politics, and it's hosted by Christopher Lydon, whose brain I have had a huge crush on for many years. He recently talked with two anthropologists and a historian about the end of the war in Afghanistan, which is great. It's called The End of the War. You can find Open Source at radioopensource.org, or you can find it and all the Hub and Spoke shows at hubspokeaudio.org. This is Rumblestrip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thank you so much for listening.